Amen. Amen. So pray with us as we're seeking uh, more ground for this house. I believe God is opening up doors that no man can open. Um, and there are doors that no man can shut as we walk through these things. And so we're, we're just believing, believe with us as we walk. Um, we're, we're believing that God is expanding us for the future of the Power Place Academy, the future of this house, and what's happening and what's coming. Um, I, I, I've, our, our dreams um, of what God has placed inside of us for this community is way bigger. Um, God has instructed us with some really uh, uh, in-depth things for this year, and we're looking inward this year, getting things ready. And so pray with us as we, as we rebuild from the inside out. I believe God is doing things strategically, uh, and we're coming in line in, into alignment uh, intentionally. And so be praying with us as we're, as we're doing a lot of groundwork right now on the inside, things that you can't see and that you don't know about, we're going through it. And so be praying, uh, be, be, be vicious with your prayers. Pray some dangerous prayers with us as we're taking ground for the kingdom. Uh, we're watching kingdom-minded kids being uh, raised in the school. This Friday is graduation. I mean, they're done. It's the last day. This Tuesday is graduation. Friday is the last day of school. The last day of school is on Friday. <laughs> what? First year? It's a wrap. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. Uh, real quick, the EITC program, I know it's... Uh, Maybe it's not clear, but it's for everyone. Uh, Brittany and I will be donating, um, and, and you can do that. It's easy for anybody to get a part of. So if you have any questions, please see Bill Grandizio. Um, anybody can do it. You don't have to own a business, and uh, you can just donate. And, and again, it's a, it's a great return. Let's, let's tell uh, the government where we want to put our money. Amen. 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 All right. Uh, listen, we are, we're, we're, we're doing a fast every Wednesday as a staff. We've been doing this for a couple months now, and we're seeing some fruit in working out a muscle that might not be normal for a lot of people. And so we are, every Wednesday, we fast lunch as a staff this last Wednesday. We entitled our fast more, and then we heard from the township on Friday. So God is doing these things, and, and as a staff, so I'm going to open up the invitation. It's not a have to, but if you're a part of this house, you might as well um, join us on Wednesdays. We do Wednesdays lunch, so we fast lunch up until 5 o'clock on Wednesdays. That's our routine here around the house. Um, Pastor Luke has been doing it over his youth ministry for a long time. And I said, hey, if you're doing it, we're doing it with you. And so we're, we're coming into alignment as a staff. We, we join together on Wednesdays and do that. And so join us as a house um, as we fast for the future and what's coming. Amen? Because we're readying that muscle, saying, hey, man, if you call me into a 21-day fast or if I feel led to go, I'm ready. I'm ready because I've been practicing this. This is a normal thing in my life to fast, to to. to Literally, take away food, okay? It's to cover your mouth. Fast means to cover your mouth and, uh, and to strive after you and all that you have for us. Amen? This last week, Mother's Day, uh, my mother-in-law, Debbie Grandizio, brought a word. Yeah. More details than I've ever learned about urine samples and uh, drinks and you know all kinds of things. She really just filled in our minds with everything that I didn't know. No, I know, I know all of these stories and I love them. And this is why, this is why it's so amazing to me is that she is who she is today because what she walked through is no joke. She shouldn't be here. The devil should have taken her out a long time ago. What she got herself into, she shouldn't be around, and she definitely shouldn't be who she is. I mean, for some of you, you probably sat there and were like, who, do I even know Debbie? 
Listen, coffee at her house, 4 a.m., it will change your life. <laughs> it will. There are things about her that boggle my mind still to this day. I've heard all those stories a million times over, a million and one times over. It's Debbie. She's like, I got a story. I'm like, I heard that one five times. <laughs> she, she will share a story over and over again, and it's still like the first time I'm here, and I'm like, there's no possible way you went through that, and you're who you are. There's no way but God. But God, and she didn't know this last week as she was prepping, but uh, for a couple months now, I just feel, felt a stirring for today to, to title my, 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 my sermon this morning, Turn. Turn. A complete turn. When, when you're giving your life to God, you're doing a complete turn. And what Debbie Grandizio has done is from past to now, she's done a complete 180 and walked the other way. A complete 180. And so she's completely turned. And the problem with the church today is the church comes, they get saved, and they just dip a toe in and try to enjoy Jesus while still enjoying their past addictions. And that's a problem because you can't, you can't stay attached to what you were involved in and still have Jesus. It just doesn't work. You won't see the full fruit. You can't, you can't plant your, your, your tree in the desert and expect to get fruit. You got to put it by streams of living water. The only way to get that is to fully plant yourself in who he is. And so I love, I love that she went there last week because she kind of set the ground and she also set the ground for our longest service. And so we're going to stay there. That's where we're at. As you can tell, it's already 11, 11. I haven't even started yet and I ain't scared. Um, I love it. So good. Um, so y'all know my dog, Wilbur, and Wilbur's kind of a, a wackadoo. And so I just wanted to show you because he has a toy, and it's his favorite toy. And this is him experiencing his favorite toy. It is a balloon. Don't ask me how. Don't ask me why. But Wilbur's favorite, his favorite toy is a balloon. We literally just had this conversation a couple days ago, and we said for his birthday in October, we're going to get him just hundreds of balloons and put them all around the house because literally this is his favorite thing to do. Now, how do, is a dog's favorite toy a balloon? I don't know, but for some reason, he becomes the gentlest thing in the world and takes the little tab, grabs his paws up without nails, takes it around with him and picks up the little tab. He loves it. He will play for hours with a balloon. This is in, in the morning down in the, down in, uh, in my basement. And he will literally go in the corner and, and tap it. It'll float. He'll chase it. He'll get it into a position and it'll grab the little tab. It doesn't make sense. It, 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 no, a dog's favorite toy cannot be a, 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 a balloon. It doesn't make sense. Those things don't go together. And as, as I was watching him this week, that was, that was a couple days ago. As I was watching him, I was like, that, that, that's the church. Because you, you love to play with things that could pop at any moment. And what you've done is you've, you've grabbed onto the little piece and you, you still, you bring it around everywhere with you. It's so dangerous because at any moment it could explode, but you just choose to play around with it, play around with it. Every once in a while, he'll get it in the corner and a nail will catch it and pop. You know, he does a little jump, then he's all good. And then he tries to eat the, and I'm like, you're going to die. Haven't you followed Kenneth Square Page and watched all the foxes that are dying by balloons? Do you not read the PETA stories? Um, anyway, sorry. Some people on those pages, man, they get me. They, they get me all lit. They get me all lit. Um, anyways, um, so I, I follow, you know, this, this walk with him. And it's like, Wilbur, you know that there's danger on the other side of that. Like, that could pop. And most people walk through the church, and they're dangling behind them. They're dangling behind them the things that they're still holding on to. See, when I read 2 Chronicles 7.14, it says, If my people who are called by my name 
will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and what? And turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now, verse 15, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. Now, now that you've turned, now I can come. Now I can answer. Now I can give you fruit because you've chosen to turn. Not walking around with your balloon in tow. Be like, oh yeah, no, I still, I still, I still got attachments to the world. I still got attachments to these things. I'm still bringing them along. I know they're dangerous. I get that, but I'm being careful. I have limits, you know. I only drink so much. I only smoke so I only do so much. So it's not really dangerous. Pulling these things in tow and you're expecting no explosion. What you don't know is that God can't use you to your full potential until you turn. See, there's no confusion in God's word. And this is where a lot of people will battle different things that they're going through in life and why they do what they do and why they say what they say and, 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 and all of these different things. And I'm like, no, no, no. The Bible's not confusing. When it says turn from your wicked ways, it means turn from your wicked ways. That means going the other way. Not just a slight detour, not just a fork in the road. It's, hey, no, you're coming to a destination, a spot where you have to choose life or death. What do you want? Do you want full on or do you want just half seas? God, God didn't call this place, this house to come and just take care of sheep that kind of want to wander. Oh, I felt a rise in my spirit this week. And I said, Lord, I just want to build your church, a church full of people that are striving to be holy. What does it look like to be holy? What does it look like to strive after holiness? That means not living life, trying to guess what's good and what's not. How much can I get away with and still have your love, God? How much can I do up to this? What can I listen to? What can I watch? What can I have in my life still? And that's the difference between Debbie and most Christians is Debbie said, I'm turning completely, getting rid of it all. I'm going to go down the line and delete, 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 delete. Most of the people she used to hang out with, oh yeah, all of them, they're gone. Why? Because you can't. You can't have attachments. You can't walk around with your balloon and be like, oh yeah, this is great. Uh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to expect life to go good. No, 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 no. Turn and then I can answer your prayers. And then I come to that house. That's a house I want to be at. That's a house I'm going to. I'm going to listen to your prayers and I'm going to answer them. You can't have these attachments. We got to let go of the attachments. Hebrews 10, 26. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. This is where the Bible gets scary. Because for some of you, you keep going back saying, oh, the Lord will save me tomorrow. I'll just go to the priest and do some 12 Hail Marys and it'll be all good. No, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Verse 27. But a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. This is not a joke. This is real life. This is real Bible. When we say we preach the word from cover to cover, we want to do the good and the ugly. 
This is the things, if you don't get in there and get down and dirty with it, and you just want to live life with your little balloon, things are coming to an end. Only so long you can walk around, living life on the edge, trying to do what you want to do, trying to say what you want to say, trying to get away with. God can't be your fallback. He, he can't be your fallback. He can't be your escape. Second Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. These are confirming words. It is done. Behold, the new has come. The old me has died. My flesh has died. My cravings died. Why? Because the new has come. The new replaced the old. So when you get, let's just do it for instance. Let's say you jump in a, a, a river with your sneakers and your socks on, and that's just, you know, feels weird and gushy. Then you get out of the river, and you're walking, and you're like, man, I need, to, I need to fix this. So you take your sneakers off that are all wet, and you put on dry sneakers, but you don't change your socks. What's going to happen in about 0.3 minutes? You're going to have soggy shoes again. Why? Because that's what happens. But this is most people. They come into church, they're like, ooh, I'm going to get a new set of shoes. That's going to fix my problem. No, it's not. Because you didn't fix the socks. So you're walking around, and you all know what, what shoes sound like. You know, little farts on your feet. You know, you know, you're just walking around, you're like, I don't understand why I can't get new friends. I don't understand why, I don't understand why you have all these questions for God. And he's like, you, you kept on the socks. You got to change your entire life. You got to turn. You, you, you have to you have to turn, because if you don't turn, how can I come in and bless your deliberate sin? How can I bless the thing that you continue to do and then run back to me over and over again, knowing the truth? You know the truth. Ah, oh, man, I've been going here for about 17 years, and I'm still struggling. Why? Why? Why, 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 why? You're almost to the age where we're kicking you out of the home. And saying, go do it by yourself. You're going to go to college, and your first year in college, you're going to experience the world. And that's where a lot of you are. You've done church for so long that you can't wait to just go back and experience the world again. Oh, what a dangerous place to be. It's this lukewarm mentality that's like, I just want to do what I want to do, but I just got to keep my confirmation in heaven. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just dangle here and hope and pray that on that day, those gates are not closed to me. I pray that the, the book has my name in it. This isn't a game. This is, this is a life or death situation. And so we, we get into this thing and it's like, Lord, I'm not just going to, to change one thing. I'm going to change it all. And what does that look like? Number one, it looks like bad habits going away. Addictions to things, whether it be substance, drugs, whatever it is, things you look at. Come on, things, things that you're attached to. Anything that distracts you from the Father is an addiction more important than Him. 
And so whatever that is, I, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like there's, there's so many things in this world that pull our attention. For some of you, you're so addicted to the TV, it trumps your time with God. And the TV is junk these days. Oh my goodness, I just can't even. It's crazy. And if you haven't seen the new Ford commercial, I've been right all these years. Just released their rainbow. I'm just, I'm, I'm totally joking. If you drive it forward, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I just, yeah, anyways. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You will seek me, if you seek me, and you will find me ah, with all with all your heart. You, you got to seek with all your heart. If you seek, you're going to find me, but you got to seek me with all your heart. You can't just come in here half. It's that losing of yourself. It's that, that dropping of pride, as Pastor Jeremy talked about this morning. You know, the church is full of pride. Full of pride. It's, it's why well, I can't, I won't, I shouldn't, I couldn't, I can't. No way. How? What do you mean? God is coming in and he's starting to remove layers of pride in this house. From every man in this house. Layers of pride. And I believe on removing layers of pride, we're going to see things that we've never seen before. Because as pride is removed, the genuine person that looks like the Father is exposed. When pride is removed, well, I don't have pride. Right there's your statement of pride. <laughs> Honestly, it, it, and you know what I love is, is as a staff, we've kind of dove into this, um, you know, talking about humility and all that stuff. And it's, it's crazy to me to see how many areas that you can just be so confident in that it, it, it literally is this thing that's full of pride. And we're like, no, 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 we need to pull back those layers. Let's just be real with life. Let's, let's uphold one of our values of real and understand that we're just real before the Father. When we're real, he can do so much more through us. Not me proving a point, not me coming to the thing and be like, no, my way is the right way. It's, hey, listen, I've got an idea. What do you guys think? What, what is this? Hey, I don't know if I like that. Okay, well, can we do better? How, what can we do better? Uh, you know, all of these areas where we, we've stripped back. When was the last time you sat down in your home with your spouse and you said, what can we do better in this house to steward it well? I, that's a pride thing. It's a pride thing. When you sit down and you actually say, you know, maybe for the last 10, 15 years, we've done things wrong here by stewarding. We've had these conversations. We're like, how can we steward better? What does it look like? What do we need to cut out? So we can do more for God. What do we need to adjust? What do we need to do? And sometimes you got to take that big pill of humble pie and swallow it and say, hey, listen, uh, yeah, there's some areas that we need to tweak, some areas that we need to do better in, and God will show us on the other side of our humility, stripping of our pride. And God can do it. He can do it in your home. He wants to do it in your home. All you got to do is, is be willing. Just come into his presence willing, saying, Lord, whatever you have for me. 
In 1 Chronicles 16, 25, it says, For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. And he is to be feared above all gods. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. And he is to be feared above all gods. When we come into his presence, we come in with this reverence because we're coming before the Lord. And it's not a fear of I'm scared of you, but it's a fear of that it draws me to you. Nothing else matters but you. I come into this place to worship and it's like I got tunnel vision for you and nothing else. There's this, there's this surrounding of the Father. And when his holiness drops, when, when his presence fills the room, you're able to feel it. Pride goes. What does it look like to fear the Father? Humility. Lord, you reign. Lord, you reign. Lord, you reign. Lord, do you love me? Is there anything in the way? Lord, are you pleased with me? And then all of a sudden you take this posture on that you just, there's multiple people in the Bible that that when they encountered the Lord, they had to fall on their face because of encountering him. Lord, do you love me? Are you pleased with me? Expose areas in me, Lord. The things I know I need to change, God, I'm going to change those, Lord. But expose the areas, God, that maybe I can't see right now. You let the Lord come in, start to work, and all of a sudden, your worship time now becomes all about him. Because all you're worried about is him and holiness. Lord, I just want to be holy in your presence. I just want to be holy, Lord. God, I strive for holiness and nothing else. Lord, the people on my left and on my right, they don't matter. Lord, it's just you. It's me and you. It's just us in the room, God. And, and, And I strive for holiness. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. You have this encounter with the Father. You know, being in his presence, when you have turned completely and your ears are tuned to him, you know, it's really easy to turn. It's, it's really easy to turn. Oh, no, it's hard. No, it's really easy to turn. I have watched multiple people in my life turn from one way of living to an opposite way of living for the Lord. And drop all bad habits, drop all bad addictions, drop it. I've watched it. It's doable with him. Without him, no. No, no, no. It's just an addiction then. And it, you'll have to go to AA meetings over and over, over and over again and just state your problems. No, no, no. With him, you give him your problems. Ooh. 
You give him your addictions. You give him those things. And he comes in and replaces them with joy. He comes in and replaces them with abounding love. He comes in and replaces because of his, his grace, because of his mercy, you get freedom. And so turn and experience him. Turn and experience him. Now when you're in his presence, all of a sudden holiness becomes achievable. And now you can come into his presence and be with him and be before him and feel like you are with him and only him and that he loves you. We're not worthy of it. But his grace. His grace. His grace. I don't deserve it. It's grace. Because I choose to turn, that's my part. We all have a part. You have a part. Your part is to turn and run the other way. Turn. That's your part. That's your, that's your job. That's your responsibility is to turn. Away from everything. All old. Anything that pulls you back. All of those things, that's what you turn from. Today's been really heavy on my spirit this week. And I was before the Father just simply asking him, Lord, are, are you pleased? Because, Lord, I don't, I don't want to build a house of people. Our, our, our job is not to build a house full of people. I, 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 don't, I don't want a house full of people. I want a house full of him. And then we're just the beneficiaries of it. And as I was talking to the Lord, I said, Lord, I, just, I, want, I want a church that strives after holiness. I want a church that's hungry for holiness. I want a church that's hungry to turn, that isn't attached to old ways, isn't attached to old feelings. Lord, I just, I want a church that's so disgusted by the world, ooh, that's so disgusted by what's going on in the world that they can't wait to turn. Lord, I want a church that on a Sunday morning, they can't wait to get through the door to worship you corporately together because they're alone time, their daily encounters this week were so insane that they can't wait to get to corporate encounter so that they can just encounter you together. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to the Lord. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just showing him my, my, my true heart of what I desire. Lord, I just desire to have a house of people that are hungry for you. And if you got to strip back the house, Lord, strip it back. Because God has called us to build and refine those who are willing and hungry. God has called us to this region, not just this city. And what we're building is a church full of people that strive for holiness. Psalms 145, verse 3. Band, you can join me, please. Psalms 145, verse 3. It says, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. 
I love this part. His greatness, no one. Look at your neighbor and say, not you. Yup. 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 Not even you. No one can fathom. His greatness, no one can fathom. As much as you think you know about God's greatness, you can't even fathom it. It's literally saying in the word, his greatness, no one can fathom. Not a single person on this earth can fathom how good God is. I think he's pretty great. I would say that I'm a pretty loud voice on how great God is. I think he's a pretty good guy. I can't even fathom it. I can't even fathom it. I I can't even fathom how good he is. He's greater than I can even imagine. Oh, he must be great. He must be He's great. He must be greater than the, the Dunkin' Donuts, caramel iced coffee with cream and sugar, and a little ice swish. I love. I'm down to be a little TikTok, you know, shaker thingy. That's me. I love it. The more sugar, the better. That's great. He's greater. He's greater. He, he's, he's greater than the family that I love. Man, I love my wife. I love my children. He's greater. He's great. Last night, Sloan learned how to ride a two-wheel bike. I was so proud. I couldn't believe it. She's five. She's a little older. I got a little slack in, you know, in the older age. Whatever. Okay. I got three kids. First child, three years old. Boom. You know, third, five. Whatever. It's all good. But I was so proud of her. It was amazing. And Brittany, she showed me my slacking areas. She came out on Friday night. She said, babe, you're slacking. She doesn't know how to ride a bike. She exposed that. And my pride is right there. I said, Sloan, get your bike. I love her. I was so proud of her. I'm like, you did it. She's riding her bike and she took off. I mean, she took off for a second time. She's riding. She goes, I can't believe I'm doing it. She just kept saying it over and over. I can't. And I'm like, I'm so, I love you so much. He's greater. He's greater than my deepest love for my children. He's greater than my deepest desire. He's greater. He's greater. Nothing can compare to him and his greatness.